We're not ready. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> okay. Hey. So, you want to go first shuffle. or should I go first? Let me go first. Okay. Let me shuffle, Let me shuffle first. Hold on. Hold okay. On. Okay. Um, give me three black wrestlers. The Rock. Uh, oh, I want to give you some good ones. Okay, so let's do The Rock. Let's mm -hmm. do Ahmed Johnson, mm -hmm. and let's do D'Lo Brown. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let but you know, you. you know who my favorite is. Who? I don't know. The Rock. No, I don't know that. All right, all right, all right. My turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. Your dog. All right, okay. We got to hurry up before we go live. So, okay. all right, list three card games played at the cookout. At anybody's cookout? No, you know who. That, come on, CP. I mean, but it could be my cookout, though, because we do it a little different. Oh, Lord. All, all right. right. So, let's go with, okay, three, three card games. We're going to go with spades. Um, we're going to go with phase 10, which was invented mm. by a black man. Yes. So that's extra points. Okay. Um, for the third one, what do y'all play? Oh, and Uno. You already know. <laughs> you already know. All right. Hey, Mark, we're already live. <laughs> oh, crap. We're already live. Dang. LeBic, <laughs> you even told us you're live. Uh, see, this is what happens when we come back from break. All right. Well, All right. without further ado, what's good, everybody? I'm Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, and co-creator in all things galactic. Give it up for none other than the wonderful. It's Jill and GC and the place to be. What does it on this fine Tuesday? You know what? We've been gone. I feel like we've been gone for a minute. So I didn't even say what does it cousins. That's what I should have said. Well, you know what? Uh, here. And so without further ado, so that way we can get back into the swing of things because we late. Rusty! <laughs> <laughs> have had to come through with the joker joker deuce deuce but you know all right so all right so what's up everybody welcome back to executive education but we're going to do things a little bit different because you know there's a lot of things that was happening you know yeah like how was your birthday <laughs> my birthday was lit you know it was super duper lit you want to know why why because i did absolutely nothing oh that for is the first lucky. time in like three years i literally just got to literally just rest and breathe good for, for you. a whole week for a whole week i literally did nothing for a whole week so <laughs> shout out to 38 i'm feeling good i'm feeling refreshed you know, okay. my, skin, my skin's feeling good and everything else. So we good to All go. Right. Well, How are you doing? Welcome to the club of nice feeling skin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm great. I'm coming off front of a very... Um, festive weekend i've been out all in the seattle streets all over the place um between fiestas parties uh concerts kicking it with my black <laughs> super black aunts and uncles <laughs> we've been living like oh and the barbie movie which how did you like it mark absolutely not <laughs> nope i'm not even in this story 
this <laughs> look, this chapter doesn't even include me. Whatever. <laughs> it was good. Go see it. Stop eating. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, first things first, if you don't know who we are, I'm Mark, and this is my wonderful co-host, Jolene, and we do executive education every Tuesday. Now, we're going to start switching it up every now and then where we talk about other things, but for the most part, we try to give you information and value that you can go out the very next day and apply it immediately, whether it's in the market or whether it's in the workplace or say, for example, within your creative space, whatever it may be, that's our focus to turn each and every single one in each and every single one of you, you at home or in your car or wherever you're at into executives the way we like it. All right. So uh, we got a lot to get into. And for those of you that didn't think that we didn't know that we were live, <laughs> we knew score. All right. <laughs> All right. So who was first in the chat? Who was first in the Uncle chat? Because Charles. they had their notification bell turned on. Was it Uncle Charles? Yes. Let's go. All right. So without further ado, because you know he's like two words, let's go. So let's go. All right. So we got a lot to get into. For example, earnings season has now kicked off. Mm -hmm. Now, interesting fact, we saw that we, we saw some good reports from your JP Morgans and your Goldman Sachs as it pertains to like, you know, JP Morgans, congratulations on bonds and other types of uh, trading, which really boosted their quarter. Um, we're really going into this into this quarter since we saw valuations are very high, especially within the tech space. Mark, I think you like cut out. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah, you just froze for a minute. You're back now, though. I froze? Wait. Yeah, oh you froze. It wasn't me. I mean, I'm ice cold, but it, I, you were the one who froze. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is what happens when your machine is not like it is. You've been away for a while, I guess. All right. So am I good, though? Am I good? Mm -hmm, right now, okay. yeah. All right. So pretty much long story short, um, we've heard of AI throughout a lot of earnings previously. Now, this is the earnings where we're seeing some of that cost implementation coming through. Mm -hmm. So you're still seeing companies that are still spending towards AI infrastructure, all those different types of things. But for some of those other companies that had those blockbuster earnings last quarter, investors are walking into this quarter to see, OK, can you actually duplicate that or can you replicate that? Um, and so they're going to be under high scrutiny, especially as we know that valuations are stretched. You know, key thing to keep in mind here, this is seasonality wise, where we start to see that, you know, stocks start to get a little bit stretched on the bullish side. So over this period of time, you have one side of the market that's going to be looking at what the Fed is going to say, which I think we already know what's going to transpire there. Um, and then the other side has kind of like, okay, brushed off whatever the Fed is going to say. And they're more so focused on what earnings are going to say, because I think that this earnings uh, quarter or these these few earnings quarters that we've that we've been experiencing as of late and what we expect in the future, they're going to probably give us the better read as it pertains to where our companies economically and how are they being impacted. So are you saying this quarter or are you saying next quarter? That's this quarter and next quarter is okay. going to be a great read to let us know, okay, hey, are we getting out of are we out of the woods? Or are we still in the woods or are we getting ready to, like we thought that we were out, but then we just hit a switch back in the trail and now we're getting ready to go into some darker woods. So, okay. So we need to keep score for this quarter and next quarter. Yes. To really get a hold. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. So those are the things in which that we're looking at. So we had a few companies <laughs> reported earnings today. We did some tech companies too. Yeah. So who should we start off with? <laughs> you know what? Let's let's start with Microsoft. Um, okay. Let's start with Microsoft. Okay. 
So well, just, actually, hold up, because yeah, I was gonna say, like, you know, okay, can we, let's can, let's get the shenanigans out of the way. Let's <laughs> let's get the shenanigans out of the way, and we're just gonna have to go with Snap. Mm. <laughs> let's just talk about Snap because mm, mm, it's mm. comedy. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, I wonder, I wonder what the what the producers think about, like, you know, for this show are thinking about right now as we're going through this and we have to discuss Snapchat, like what would, if you could like sum it up in one sentence, you know, what would you say when we look at Snapchat's earnings? Let's see what I'm going to lie. I'm getting cooked. <laughs> okay. There, there it is. Okay. So Snapchat. All right. So pretty much here's the results of what we saw uh, for Snapchat real quick. All right. So revenue was down 4%. Uh, year over year. So they pretty much brought in about $1.07 billion. Uh, The decline in revenue potentially indicates uh, potential changes in growing and monetizing Snapchat's user base, which honestly, we really need to do an audit of like Snapchat's user base of how many users are actually still actively using Snapchat Mm. versus like using Snapchat's core platform versus just the messaging side of Snapchat. Or just the filters. I've seen a lot. Or just the filters also. So were they like, you know, so I think in Snapchat, I feel like they're more so known now for their filters versus anything else. And I think that that would be something that they can monetize over to other platforms as a potential licensing for revenue uh, as an opportunity. But I mean, but what platforms would you be talking about? Because I feel like most of these platforms have their own filters. So what, what do they need snap for? You know, I'm, I'm really reaching here. That, that okay. lets you know. How, <laughs> like, I'm, I appreciate I'm, the positivity. I appreciate look, it. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm over here like, yo, <laughs> fight back, fight back. Um, <laughs> So oh, average please. revenue per user dropped from $3.20 to $2.69. So that high price premium of what the value is per user has now dropped in Snapchat. Now that's a key stat to pay attention to, especially when you're looking at social media companies, the actual revenue per user. So when you start seeing that the revenue per user is starting to drop, ugh. That's not a good sign. So I think that the honestly, the looking at Snapchat, Snapchat cannot l- allow their revenue per user to drop below two dollars and twenty five cents. Well, they need to be focusing on that and uh, the chart. The chart on Snap looks like it snapped in half two times back to back. <laughs> it jumped off a cliff. It's like in the valley, low, low, low in the valley. <laughs> like it just, it's not cute. So <laughs> operating <laughs> margin. <laughs> So operating margin declined from negative 36 to negative 38, (laughs) reflecting continued substantial losses. Snap Mm -hmm. spends heavily on research. Look, (laughs) I mean, they're trying to follow that blueprint, but like if you're not getting returns, I don't know what to say. Listen, I'm just going to say this. Y'all acting like a bunch of academics right now. (laughs) You're a for-profit company acting like a bunch of academics. I'm going to need y'all to stop. The research is now over. Like it's now time to like literally become operational. So they're spending heavily on research and development, of course, R and D. I think they're getting R and D credits there, but I think that after a while, it's like I think that this is going to become pretty soon a, a, a no touch until you show us what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, overhead, uh, well, so pretty much overhead, while monetization is significantly declining. So. 
I think they really need to improve profitability. Like there's no way to dance around it. If you can't do that, then pretty much this is a company that needs to no longer be public and probably go back to being private or ultimately becoming, I, in my personal opinion, and I think I've been saying this for quite some time now, that I definitely see Snapchat's decline over mm -hmm. a longer period of time. And I strongly believe that whatever assets that they have are now going to be just their R&D assets. So AKA the things that they're spending the most amount of money on um, for like, you know, future, future tools or future, whatever it is, they need to just like, just say, okay, hey, we're going to just sell those. Well, can't they get in on some e-commerce something with the filters and, you know, like, I don't know. They need something because AI is not going to work. But it's not all doom and gloom, though. So there's a glimmer of hope because daily active users increased 14% year over year to 397 million, showing strong user glo uh, growth globally. This is a positive metric for Snap. So that way, like, we're not just like completely just you know, hammering on Snapchat. So you guys know me well enough to know, I'm going to give you guys some of the, some of the good points, some as balanced as I can try. <laughs> uh, the challenges, but the challenges, like, so they got the, they got the, the users still. Okay. That's, that's promising. They're not doing a good job of translating that into revenue. Hmm. That's the bad part. So that's why I said the $2 and 25 cents per user if it gets down to $2.25 per user, it could be curtains for, for Snapchat. It could be the last curtain call, like, you know, where it's like, remember back in the day on those shows where it's like you got booted off of the, like you, you lost the show due to votes. And then they made you still sing that one song, even though that you were eliminated. Yeah, that's cold-blooded. That is cold-blooded. <laughs> I feel like we're, you know, it could be that. Okay, so, but here's another cool stat. Free cash flow improved to negative... <laughs> Well, $119 million. So, <laughs> well, it improved. That's not as bad, um, but likely uh, likely due to reduced capital expenditure. So they, they're starting to stop spending That's as much, um, but it's still negative. So free cash flow picture is improving in Snapchat, but yet we need to get up out of the negative. So, well, okay. So in a crowded <laughs> social media, like, you know, stream or whatever, um, it is good to hear that they're increasing uh, their global usage, but I wonder what people globally, because I don't really pay attention to Snap, but like I want, like a, as a consumer, I mean, um, I wonder what, how and like what people are doing on Snap that is having them like come back to it and continue um, to use it. Because we saw like the drop off in engagement with um, <clears throat> with threads, with Instagram, Instagram's thread, um so i'm just curious what people are are doing They're just sharing i feel like i feel like snapchat and like and the remember the conversation the debates back then where it was like snapchat versus meta mm -hmm. it would used to be like kind of like the the jollof rice de debates <laughs> okay well we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to like look uncle charles is saying snap is begging someone to buy them but like indeed ooh. Who's going to buy them? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe they could be acquired by a media company, possibly. Um, okay. I mean, it's getting really slim pickings now, especially like this is the worst time to find yourself in, in such a position mm -hmm. because, oh, Lord, I, I don't even know what I started in the chat. <laughs> oh, Lord, here we go. Um, I don't I don't know where to start with this because of the fact of where we are. Like people are saying that, OK, hey, it could be Twitter or AKA X 
but X can't afford to. They can't afford money. it. They can't afford it. Like you know, They're already twenty like, billion. Because if, if, if Elon Musk decides to buy a Snapchat, then it doesn't really make sense. Because then it's like, okay, well then now you're gonna make Tesla shareholders pissed off. And then on right. top of that, it's like you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Just let's just leave it at that. Let's let's look. You know what? Honestly, I'm gonna close the court. Here's my final verdict for for Snapchat. <laughs> All right. I find them guilty. I am going to sentence them to three quarters of purgatory where they need to think about their life situations and they are up for parole in two quarters. All right, we'll return. Y'all keep an eye on Snap. But seriously, look at that chart. Because <laughs> look at that chart. It's going to be an uphill battle. Um, it really I, is. I don't know if we could say that Snapchat is at a discount anymore. I think that we have to officially say, you know, it, may be, it, 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 might, I, it might be time. <laughs> Well, we can but like I said, this conversation three quarters <laughs> up for probation in two quarters. We'll just right. leave it at that. All right. What's the next company that we got? OK, let's get back to um, some some tech giants. Let's talk about Microsoft. So let's get back to some real companies. Is that what you're trying to say? I didn't say that. I guess it, I guess I guess it kind of rubbed off on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, all right. So Microsoft, uh, 51.9 billion up 12% year over year. Uh, Microsoft continues to demonstrate strong, solid revenue growth mm -hmm. uh, in its business segments. So of course we know that the PC segment has been, and I'll get, and I'll get to that in a second, but operating income declined uh, to by 2%. So AKA 20.4 billion reflecting lower margins. So this could be due to macroeconomic factors and foreign exchange headwinds. So like what we're seeing within currency, and we've seen this story play out before. Mm -hmm. So we could possibly be seeing that play out again, but continue, let's follow along. Azure cloud revenue growth uh, grew by 40%, highlighting strong demand for Microsoft's cloud offerings. Um, so those are gonna be the two things that really remain a factor. So mm -hmm. Azure and the other cloud services remain, that's their key growth driver. So anything that's AI-based, that's really where you're going to look at it in, inside the, well, really within Microsoft's kit and caboodle. But of course, you have the 365 also. So personal computing was flat at $14.4 billion. Now, remember what I was saying, the PC market. So weakness in the PC market is offsetting the growth for Windows and Xbox. I mean, it makes sense when you think about just where we're at technologically, with PCs, everyone has a, a small little PC in their hand. Like, I mean, we bought a lot of, you know, PCs during 2020 for obvious reasons. Yep. Um, and so we're not going to need a replacement like anytime soon. But we... here's one thing that we will need, though. You ready for this? Yeah. LinkedIn revenue <laughs> increased 26 percent. Okay, so Microsoft go off then. <laughs> like, look, if anybody's going to monetize off of anybody else's hardship, Mm -hmm. No shade to anybody else out there at Microsoft, but y'all are definitely like taking advantage of it through LinkedIn. And I'm not mad at you for that. Like, look, I mean, you guys are providing a, a tool, whether or not it's effective or not, but you're providing a tool um, that literally helps individual, all jokes aside, that, that helps individuals like literally connect with other professionals and everything else. And in this typical, and then this type of an economy, mm -hmm. it's definitely where like making that acquisition for LinkedIn definitely makes all the sense in the world because now you have something that can ultimately prop you up. Now, it may not be the most sexiest thing within Microsoft's portfolio of services or in revenue uh, drivers, but when the economics fit the business, this is definitely what we're talking about where you see that you know, benefiting from an increased demand for digital advertising and recruitment tools. So that's definitely up LinkedIn's alley. But you know now, 
what's, what's interesting about that is like, so tech will have all these layoffs and then folks will update their LinkedIn. And then because folks, because tech is laying folks off, then more people are going to be on LinkedIn. Then yep. they're going to be looking for jobs and then they'll be more susceptible to digital advertising. So then Microsoft makes its money back on the back yep. end, even though they're firing people. <laughs> like LinkedIn, LinkedIn kind of like reminds me of like, I think like back in the day when you're, when you finally have your first apartment and then you realize exactly how expensive utility bills were. Mm -hmm. And so you just decided to just like say, okay, Hey, I'm going to just pay this amount every single month. And it will ultimately balance itself out when you find yourself in those low areas. And when those high areas come, then it's just like, okay, well, it is what it is. I feel like that's the same thing for LinkedIn because it's like, it's there. And when in times when people don't really need it, it's still there. But then when in times of great time, when it needs it, when the, wor when the world needs LinkedIn, then this is where it shines. And honestly, it's like LinkedIn is in that special place where it's like it doesn't really have a significant amount of competition, especially when you tie in the social, the recruitment tools and all of those things in one place. So, I mean, honestly, kudos to them for making such an acquisition. Now, here's some interesting stats about Microsoft. You ready? Mm hmm. So they returned $12.4 billion to shareholders <laughs> via dividends and mm -hmm. share repurchases, prioritizing capital returns, of course. I mean, in this particular market, when you're showing signs of slowed growth or in certain arenas or in certain areas, you're going to return that value to shareholders. And ultimately, you can get that, that benefit later on uh, at the year. Headcount grew. Here's an interesting fact. Headcount grew 22% year over year to two, uh, 221,000 employees. So they're continuing to like invest in their engineering and sales talent, which is very interesting because mind you, we've been hearing a lot about Microsoft is literally laying off people and everything else, but yet, okay, you hear about them laying off people, but then, okay, here's an interesting stat. Now they grew by 22%. So, you know, that's a solid quarter with good revenue uh, driven by cloud demand, but macroeconomic challenges definitely put some pressure on those margins. And I think that that's the reason why you see the stock trading to the downside alongside the fact that it's value. It was very valuation rich going into the earnings print. Now for that stat about the, um, you said 21,000. Those were all new hires or is that just No, no, no. That's just that's just 221,000 employees. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they out here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I guess finally we have a final company on here, which is uh, Alphabet. Alphabet. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about Now, them. Alphabet has been like kind of like that middle child in between Microsoft and Amazon. Where it's just like, okay, nobody really talks about me as much anymore, but, you know, I'm still here. Like, <laughs> don't forget about us. And, you know, congratulations to them. They grew revenue by 6% year over year. So, aka, yeah. so that's $74.6 billion. Um, this represents a slight uh, deceleration, though, uh, for Alphabet, but still reflects underlying strength uh, in its core advertising business. So, like, advertising really is what makes Alphabet Alphabet. Mm -hmm. Like AKA search, which is interesting. Um, so their operating income increased by 12% versus last year. So, you know, that's good. Um, yeah. Still at double digit growth. So Alphabet continues to demonstrate solid profitability and with margins of, I think it's like near 30% or something like that. So like 29% and some change. Um, losses for the Google Cloud segment narrowed. So to half a billion. So... I guess it's letting us know that they're heading towards, they're progressing more and more towards profitability in that growth area. So one thing to know about areas of growth, areas of growth, when you have like hyper growth, 
Um, you're going to take those hits on the front end side, but then kind of like the whole Amazon way, once you hit a certain area of scale in your business, that loss turns into significant amount of profits. And that's why a lot of companies bank on specific areas of their underlying business. So in this particular arena, um, that's what we're seeing for Google Cloud services. So they're expecting, you know, strong profitability in this segment. So cloud remains strategic for Alphabet, as we know. So they're trying to move beyond just Google search and Google mm -hmm. advertisement and moving into the cloud services where it can really be a significant uh, player. Well, and I that think that, sense. go ahead. I said and, that, that makes sense. They're positioned well for that too. And it makes sense also because of the fact that, you know, you have Amazon that has hit massive amounts of scale and now they're dealing with the law of large numbers. Same mm -hmm. thing with Microsoft Azure as they're making, they're doing a lot of cost implementing where they're making a lot more investment, which is eating at their margins as well. So in this particular arena, it makes sense for a company like Google that has already made those types of investments that they're now starting to see the, the fruits of that labor really start to take shape, form and fashion. Hey, that's it's been a minute since I've said that. Um, hint, hint. All right. So <laughs> um, Alphabet repurchased, just like Microsoft. 14.9 billion in stock, <laughs> mm -hmm. prioritizing shareholder returns uh, as usual. Uh, this is, but this is down significantly from first quarter where they repurchased 29 billion in stock. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo, we've about to turn this faucet off and let us like get replenished. Um, of course, one of the biggest uh, headliners, but was for uh, Ruth Porat, uh, was promoted to president and chief investment officer signaling transition away from her CFO role. Uh, she's been a key you know, leader at Alphabet, which is interesting because um, does this mean that she's going to be like that Google's getting ready to be going on a major run as it pertains to in investments into things? So I would be paying attention to Alphabet now. So because of that, that, strat that strategic move, Mm -hmm. I wonder if Alphabet is now going to be in the business of literally making strong acquisitions across the entire tech space or across even in other spaces. So I would be paying attention to that because, you know, yeah. that's not something to like literally just look over and glance at and be like, also, oh, okay. Pay attention to who might be positioned for that acquisition as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That will give like clues about where Alphabet is headed. Another thing that a lot of folks aren't talking about, but hey, I'm going to drop this bomb on y'all anyways. <laughs> Sergey Brin has returned to Alphabet and he's working within their AI division. Now, if you so, guys don't know, Larry Page and Sergey Brin both started Alphabet or AKA Google back in the day, you know, way, way, way back in the day. You know, mm -hmm. We ain't that old, but you know, we, you know, we've been I mean, you're 38. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm out here. All right. <laughs> Coming through looking like coffee. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, so he's back. And mm -hmm. I think that that is something that we should not take lightly. That is something that people should pay attention to. Um, I think that we're probably going to see Alphabet get a little bit more aggressive. So, well, that would be um, welcoming and refreshing to see a little aggression, to see like you know some confidence in their identity and their offering, and you know. I think that Alphabet is coming back like baby when he showed up to the Breakfast Club and said, "Put some respect on my name." So mm -hmm. honestly, you know, I'm I'm here for it. You know, as a fellow technophile as well as a person who loves a good story, and of course, you know, every now and again, you know, of course, enjoys a wonderful shade moment. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll keep it on. We shall but see. Mark, this does illustrate like what it looks like 
to get a return on your research and development dollars versus yep. just languishing and, and not paying off like you see Snap versus Google um, in that in that respect. And, you know, obviously Amazon. I always think of Amazon as the blueprint for that. Yep. Um, but if you just look at those two, you can see that contrast, like what you should be looking for. And then also I'll point out that um, we talked about this was a couple weeks ago, like the difference between companies using artificial intelligence as like an add-on versus an integral part of their business that actually drives their bottom line. So those are things to pay attention to as you're looking at um, earnings reports and like where, and especially guidance, like where these companies are headed as it relates to, you know, these buzzwords like AI and cloud and all that. Yeah. And now it's like we're getting ready to go into this part where it's like, OK, hey, what have you done for me lately? Uh, we're going to move into that environment. Mm -hmm. OK, so we just went through some of the companies that reported today. So let's talk about some of the companies that are going to report tomorrow and the next day and mm -hmm. the day after and, and then next week and so on and so on. So, yeah. of course, we got Meta and we got Apple uh, coming <laughs> coming through as well. All right. So if we're seeing weakness like this in revenue for for Snapchat, I don't want to be the canary in the coal mine just yet, but okay. I definitely believe that we should probably still see some elevated strength from Meta. And I think the fact that they cut back on their spending still, I think that that should also help them as well. But I believe that this is going to be one of those quarters that like Meta either knocks it out of the park or they're going to be just coasting in this in, in this arena as a lead up towards 2024 which is, or or into the holiday season mm -hmm. where they start like you know going forth with their their meta quest 3 they're also like they, they've made a lot of significant investment around the core platform itself not like metaverse but like mm -hmm. the actual ecosystem that surrounds it building a moat around that core platform so it's going to be interesting to see exactly if it actually starts to take shape though and will they actually benefit will they have benefited also off of the thunder from apple reporting the apple vision pro goggles and that the fact that those are thirty five hundred, whereas the metas are like three hundred and fifty dollars. So I mean, is that price? Is that the final final price? You know, are we going to see some? They, they said starting price. So <laughs> I think that the, I think the Party. implication. I think the implication well, <laughs> I think the implication is is that it'll probably go up as it pertains to size. So like you'll have like a storage size differentiations and tiers, and I think that you'll be charged based upon those price points. Um, I think that ad dollars uh, for Meta, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. And then on top of that, what does the expenses look like, given that they brought uh, Meta threads? Um, I think that we're going to finally hear the first amount of color commentary that surrounds that. Mm -hmm. And they're going to he's going to really have some tough questions to answer during the earnings call when we talk about like, OK, hey, it was highly tooted about all these users that you guys brought in. But then we started seeing a significant yeah. drop off and engagement of users in that particular arena. So that's going to be an interesting conversation to be had when it comes to Apple. Um, I think that Apple's going to just have a meh quarter. I'm not expecting anything big from them this quarter. I think that their iPhone sales are going to be. You know, what, either sorry? either in line or or you know somewhat dismal. I mean, because this is not te technically their strongest quarter. Mm -hmm. um, I think that also, like you know, really, it's going to be leading up towards their iPhone cycle of iPhone 15, and what does that look like? Um, but yeah, I'm not really expecting anything big, and I think that honestly, this is where my thesis has been putting forth, of kind of like seeing that valuations have been getting a little bit stretched for the short term time being. 
which mm-hmm. we could possibly be seeing that some of these companies like, you know, when we look at Tesla had reported an earnings quarter and it was pretty much solid for the most part, but yet the stock still tanked uh, into correction territory. Um, so I think that what we could possibly be seeing is that some of these companies are either going to be trading within a range bound or essentially that we could possibly be seeing that some of these go through small little miniature corrections. And I think that that's what I think earnings season is going to trigger that. I don't really think that it has anything to do with the Fed unless the Fed says we come through with 50 basis points. And then that literally tips the scale for the market because I think the market is expecting 25 basis points. So I think that that's where, where it really comes down to for earnings moving forward. So just to recap, I expect that Apple's earnings, eh, (laughs) meh. I think Meta's earnings, decent. Um, When I look at the chip sectors, and we're going to get through those, like, you know, as earnings season continues to play out, um, I think that honestly will consistently still see strength in NVIDIA, though that I think that its valuations have gotten a little bit stretched, and I think that we're going to probably see some sell-off there. Here's the thing to keep in mind, everybody, and I haven't really discussed this a lot, but one of the things to take into consideration, a lot of people are like, well, how come we haven't sold off beforehand? You have to remember, there's a lot of portfolio managers and everybody else out there that have literally bought stocks um, or bought positions, and they don't want to pay the short-term capital gains tax. To pay the short-term capital gains tax probably puts you, I think it places you at 34, 35%. And then on top of that, if you have somebody that's managing your capital to do so, then you're also taking another hit off of the top. So you could be taking a a 50% haircut just from your position. Why would you want to do that when if you hold it for a year and a day, then now you're at a short-term capital gains tax. So depending on where we saw the volume within the market or depending on where is it that where people bought in, that may trigger, you know, for example, specific sales where they where they haircut their portfolio and take profits off of the table, but they're not going to like literally sell everything. They're just going to like literally cut some of the position and also look at other arenas that are weak. Hence the reason why you've been seeing probably energy rising um, a little bit. Of course, there's some news there also, but you know, for the most part, you've been seeing industrials having their moment in the sun. You know, think about the Dow Jones industrial having its record uh, streak, even though that we've had on those days where the Dow had a massive day or a great day. You know, the S&P and the NASDAQ were pretty much the weaker of the indexes. So, I mean, those things definitely, they they play a role. And I think that that's where, like I said, we're getting to that point where we're getting a little toppy in the market in the short term. And I think that that's where it triggers a correction. If I'm looking at, say, for example, NVIDIA, like I said, I think that even if NVIDIA has a great quarter, unless they... Unless they have another blockbuster, like we just literally knocked it out of the park earnings. Like, you know, last quarter, they were supposed to report five billion and they came in with 11. Which expectations wild. are going to adjust. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if they walk into this next quarter and it's like, OK, it's kind of like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then we could probably be seeing that uh, NVIDIA could also be taking a dip. Uh, AMD has been in correction for a little bit. I think it's like now trading within a range of kind of like a wait and see. The biggest thing that I'm looking at for AMD is, you know, though that we're hearing that, you know, the sales part for PC sales is still somewhat weak from Microsoft and we're getting that news. You know, I want to see, like, what are some of the other sectors within AMD's portfolio? Like, we know that they're coming out with AI chips. So where is that at? We want to know about what's happening in auto. We want to know, like, when do we start seeing the effects of that Xilinx deal uh, literally play out within AMD's, you know, business and its core business? Because right now, it's not looking as strong yet, but we could be seeing that moment where it could be AMD's moment any within the next two to three quarters. 
So I'm definitely on watch there. And I'm also looking at the fact that if we do see selling out of NVIDIA, I don't think that sellers from one sector like or one major stock, I don't think that they're going to leave the entire sector. I think that they're going to look at some of the other uh, chips that are that are not as loved and they're probably going to move money there. Right. Uh, you Intel, can't afford that, though. You can't afford to just leave, um, you know, the chip sector because, I mean, the chip sector is the future. It's a key part of growth. It's so a key component of all growth. Like, and that's the thing that, like, when I said this last October, I that was literally my my entire play. Semis is literally the key that unlocks the future to all companies that are ultimately focused on growth. Anything that you can think mm-hmm. of that's going to be within AI or say, for example, just within electronics, it's definitely going to be the key battleground. Now, one thing that I forgot to mention uh, also, mm-hmm. pay attention to sometimes before a company reports its earnings, when you start seeing articles or when you start seeing that they start releasing news before their earnings. Sometimes I look at that as a weak sign where it's just like, bro, you could have waited till like literally your report card, but instead you're trying to like soften the blow, it feels like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like when you know that you're getting a whooping, but yet you try to do all the things to like make your parents love you and everything else. Right, like, you're cleaning the house. You're cleaning you're the house and everything on else. the chicken. <laughs> like, bro, bro, no matter what's happening, you're still going to run this fade <laughs> when your parents get home. Like it's it, you can't escape it. Um, okay. And then final thing, um, I spoke about like the real estate market and I'm going to jump on that really quickly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like mentioned on Twitter that I said that, okay, Hey, I think that we're in slightly of a bubble within real estate. Um, just as much as we saw that, like, you know, maybe equities was in a bubble, you know, two years ago and then it bust in 2022. Um, I kind of feel that same way here and let me see if I can quickly pull it up and, you know, share a screen for everybody really quickly. Cause I know that we're definitely over our time. Sorry, children. No, you're fine. I, you know, dinner time is not officially to like six, so you're good. Okay. All right. So let's see. Share a screen. And we're going to pull up the wonderful, and, and this is actually interesting because we're actually going to use Y charts. So uh, can you guys see my screen? Yeah. Okay. So there we go. All right. So, I mean, one. First things first is, we, of course, we have mortgage rates that we're at a high and we're still looking at some some high <laughs> interest rates. So when you think about that, it's like, you know, if you came in at a 3% interest rate and then you're at like 6% um, or 6.7%, you're pretty much paying double your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, look at originations over the last, you know, this is on a 10 on a year chart. So I'm trying to keep everything in perspective so that we can kind of get a, an idea of what it looks like in the long term versus where we are now. And so when we look at this, we see that, okay, hey, we're still in a downtrend as it pertains to uh, U.S. mortgage uh, originations and also refinance share. I think that we're coming up by 19 percent. But yet again, we're still at a significant low. Um, And then on top of that, it's like if we're looking at, say, for example, U.S. existing home sales change, we're at negative 21 percent. And then on top of that, new uh, new single family houses sold percentage change. Is that 103%? But then if we look at it, say, for example, uh, year to date, we see that, okay, hey, we're significantly high. But then we look at the inventory. (laughs) And so when we look at the U.S. existing home inventory, we see that it's significantly low. And I think that the low inventory is what's definitely holding prices steady. 
But the thing that I'm like really like keeping my eye on is for a lot of those folks who got involved in like, you know, Airbnb businesses and stuff like that, where I think that that may also play a part. And I and a lot of my friends, they ask me like, okay, hey, Mark, you know, what do you think about buying a house or whatever it is? And I try to tell people it don't make no sense to buy a house in this market unless you're an investor or unless you've got or you're like one of those individuals that is literally buying cash. Like those are the folks that are naturally buying up real estate. Uh, the folks in whom which that are like literally getting loans with the expectation that, you know, you're going to probably be able to refinance after six months. I wouldn't put a lot of stock there. Um, I would definitely say that if that is your plan, then you need to go back to the drawing board and rethink that. And as you can see that we went through this dip, but now we're starting to see this recovery and home sales prices. Uh, it's interesting. And then at the same token, look at the affordability is significantly mm -hmm. dropping as well. So these are the things in which that we look at and say, okay, hey, well, you know, is, 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 are we, are, are we in some form of a bubble? I don't, I, I, in my honest opinion, and mind you, I'm not a real estate broker or anything like that. And just my honest opinion, just me as an individual, Mark Monroe, mm -hmm. I think that we're in somewhat of a bubble for real estate. And I would I would say pay attention to when we see the foreclosure market. I, I would definitely pay attention to that market. Um, because I think that if we start seeing massive inflows as it pertains to homes that are in foreclosure, that could probably tell us a actual naturally true story of when we talk about like if we see housing affordability is at a low well what does that say well people are losing their jobs or people can't afford to be able to pay for their home as well as the other bills in which that you know that they normally live their lives through you know something's going to have to give and what does that mean i don't have all the answers yet but i'm just looking at the data and it's it's not looking very pretty as it stands right now but for those that wanted to know, I normally use bar chart for equities and stuff like that. But then I also use like I like white charts for, you know, what it gives me in some of the other arenas outside of the market and equities. So um, there's that. So just something to take a look at. Um, just check it out. Uh, there's probably going to be more data. If I can, I can also probably bring somebody on uh, that, you know, Jolyn and I can bring somebody on that can talk a little bit more about the real estate market from an economics base, as well as from what's actually happening on the ground. If you're looking at the commercial real estate market, they're struggling. Um, I think that we're probably going to see a lot of conversion from office based real estate to probably turning into some type of mixed use real estate where you see mm -hmm. office slash housing slash storefront uh like commercial space i think that that's probably going to be the way remember back in the 2008 to 2010 where we started seeing live workspaces mm -hmm. i think we're probably going to see somewhat of that come back but more on a on a commercial standpoint and that's just my thoughts i mean of course i can be entirely wrong i if anything i hope i am wrong because you know real estate is a major indicator as it pertains to economics mm -hmm. but well, those are just my see. sentiments exactly so Y'all, thank you so much for spending time with Jolyn and I on our day, yeah, our first day back. <laughs> I know that uh, we started off playing on CP time. Uh, I like that game, by the way. We may have to. It's fun. Uh, may have to. I might have to invite some of the friends over and have tacos and play the game. Um, but until next time, y'all. I'm Mark Monroe, and I'm Jolyn GC, and the place to be. And this has been the Come Up Series with Executive Education. We hope you learned something, got value. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe if you are not subscribed. But share this with somebody and start a discussion. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. And be on the lookout for The Red Line with Chris and Abby tomorrow. Peace, y'all. Oh.